0: Welcome to the Wolverine Digest podcast, the best spot for objective, authentic coverage of Michigan athletics. If you want open dialogue, honest opinions, and in-depth
1: coverage of the maize and blue, this is the podcast for you.
0: And now, here's
1: your host, Brandon Brown, joined as always by Chris Brandt.
0: I'm just going to start by saying, go Blue. Welcome back to the podcast on a Monday night. Um, I mean, we got a lot to talk about, but we don't have that much to talk about. It's kind of one of those weird things. Dude, Chris, you and I, we continue to go back and forth on. (laughs) We continue to go back and forth on this same. It's like deja vu. We're like in Groundhog's Day right now because we feel pretty much the exact same way today as we did through the first three or four games last year. Right. It was like, ah, this offense, I'm not really sure. Like what, you know, Cade, eh, I don't know. And uh, Michigan wins by 50. Yeah. And we're just kind of like in this same place again. Well, but are we, we're not
1: though. We're not, you know, we're not though because I think week two is going to change some things. I think it, you know, week one brought up a lot of those same feelings because, you know, to your point, you know the first four weeks of the season it felt like Michigan was was beating everybody's ass but we were walking away from the stadium thinking like man, like you'd like to see more out of that offense. you'd le- you'd like to see you know more use of the weapons like more just you know more efficiency. you'd like to see more of all of that. Um, and there were obviously some issues that that we'll get into on, on the offensive side of the ball. but overall, yeah, it had a very similar feeling where like I knew Michigan had won but there was still like something left to be desired. Uh, But uh, to be quite honest, a lot of that was eliminated when JJ came in the game and and the potential and the prospect of knowing that he's going to be the starter next week, I think takes a lot of that out of the equation, at least for me.
0: Yeah. I mean, and you see some people in there talking about Cade looking like he did last year, wasn't really feeling his comments after the game. You know, we, you and I talked about that, man, that's your captain, your senior quarterback and he's up there, I don't know. If you, well, did, it's one it's of like,
1: my burning questions. It's one of my okay. burning
0: questions. All right. So we won't get into it too much then because Not it will deep. come up again. I mean, uh, you know, it's going to be at the center of discussion for another week again until JJ gets his first career start against Hawaii on Saturday yeah. under the lights. Obviously going to be a pretty special in the rain.
1: Most it's likely supposed to rain. Oh, it's supposed to
0: rain all day. I believe. Well, that throws a little bit of a wrench into things. So we'll see, you know, what is this? Another we got, <laughs> at least it's not or, porn. This I don't know. Would it be better fan? if it was porn? I'd rather have it be porn. Yeah. How do you get that out?
1: You you can control that, right? You can yeah, got it out it here. Out of It's going. God, All got right. a lot um, of here.
0: Yeah. So obviously we we've got a lot to talk about. The big win, fifty-one to seven. Um. I, man, wait a minute. Hold up a second. We got to push pause. Is is the energy down
1: right now for a Monday show? I feel like the energy's down. Can I get a sledgehammer drop or something? Can I get something to spice it up a little bit? He did go three for
0: three. He did go three for three, didn't he?
1: I don't know. It's Monday. We just had college football. College football's back. Michigan football's back.
0: Are you saying my energy is down?
1: I just felt like our energy was down. I felt like we were a couple of dead bodies. I felt like both of us need to hit the reset button. I'll be honest.
0: I feel like I'm having to reserve myself a little bit because something's going on with my audio where when I speak, it's like blowing my eardrums out. So normally well, I think I'm getting idiot, a little more sure. volume yeah. yeah, and right now I'm like, I just want to talk like this. So just something's up. It. I mean, I'll, I'll power through. It. <laughs> I'll power through. But actually, if anybody out there, if there's anything sounding weird with the audio or whatever we're doing, just let us know in the comments like you usually do, but Something feels a little off for my headset over here. I don't know what it is. I don't know if I plugged something in weird or I don't know, whatever. We're going to get into all the segments that we've got. We've got TFG coming. We've got, we're going to revisit the predictions and the scores and the things we talked about. We got a little look at the pro football focus grades, which is something kind of interesting up in there. And then we're going to close it out with burning questions. It's going to be a hell of a Monday show. I'm excited show. to get into it. So let's do exactly that. Chris, I couldn't remember if you said – 63 to seven or 63 to 10, 63, 10 was what I was, what I felt like was going to happen. Okay. So you said 63 to 10. I said 56 to 17. Obviously we were both just a little bit off. The final score was 51 to seven. Both of us gave Ohio, uh, gave Colorado state a little too much credit. They only mustered one garbage touchdown at the end. It was against will Johnson though. Got a little bit burned. Made a nice little play on it at the end. Tried to shove the guy out of the back of the end zone. Dude made a really nice catch, actually got a foot down. So that was their one score. And we just, I guess we thought they'd score just a little bit more. I had him at 56. You had him at 63. Probably. Pairs at that point because obviously the benches were emptied and there's a lot of guys in there. Something like eighty some guys played on Saturday. Eighty four guys that played. Well, uh,
1: yeah, but I do think you know uh, Douglas Guess and uh, from the Facebook page he makes a good point that they did leave leave some meat on the bone in the red no. zone and had to settle for field goals when you know you would have thought against a program or a team like Colorado State. Not to trash Colorado State, but obviously Colorado State is not Michigan. And when the Wolverines get down in the red zone, you'd like to see them be a little more efficient down there. So I think yeah, the fifty six. Or sixty three was certainly doable, given the way sure. uh, the offense was moving the ball until they got to the red zone.
0: So, uh, Chris, I just I want to point this out there: if those three touched, if those three field goals had been touchdowns, they'd have had sixty three. There you go. There you go. So, and and yeah, the to to that point, the meat on the bone. The longest field goal Jake Moody made was thirty four yards, which means it was from the seventeen yard line. That was the longest one. So you're talking about three yeah. times inside the 20, 15, yeah. 10 yard line. They couldn't get it done and get a touchdown. That's you know that that will be a that will be a sticking point for these coaches, no doubt during this week is look, guys, this is an inferior opponent. We get down in there, we got to punch it in for six. There's no settling for field goals. Certainly can't do that against the good teams in the Big Ten. And that'll be something that they work on. No doubt about it. All right. So that was our that was our score prediction. Chris, it turns out I, I was pretty damn smart. I'm just gonna put that out there. You, yeah, out, you were I'll give I it was to you. Pretty Damn is this, is this about one? Sac City? Sac City? Number one, Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards both will score a rushing touchdown. They did. We're going to get into that a little bit in my burning questions, too, so I don't want to focus on the running game too much. But, I mean, you were down on the field for the first time, by the way. Remember we Remember, we revisited that on Saturday as soon as the game got over. And I feel like you kind of talked to me about it after as we were working and we were driving around getting home or whatever, that the running game, Donovan Edwards, yeah. A little bit to be desired. I mean, if you said it felt like they were running hard, but nothing really like
1: popped. Right. That's that's kind of how it felt from my vantage point. It just, you know, they, they were obviously, you know, I, th- I think I can't remember what the carry count was between Donovan and Blake, but I know they sp- they split it pretty evenly. 13 I think it was 20. For him yeah, 20, 25 yep. carries between the two. Um, and, you know, for for guys that, um, look, it's week one and, and you know, you got to work out some kinks, but those two guys, that tandem, I still expect to be one of the best, if not potentially the best tandem in the country. Um, I just thought, you know, we talked about Blake Corm heading into the game. I thought Blake Corm was going to have a monster outing. I thought mm-hmm. either Blake or Donovan would pop off one, two, maybe three big plays that didn't really seem to happen. Um, but I think, Colorado, you know, give credit to Colorado State because, like I said, I was down there. I could see Donovan Edwards, you know, running hard up close and personal and, and, you know, it just didn't pop off and and you've got to give credit to the other side when that happens, but you'd like to see Michigan um, be able to capitalize on some of that stuff. Again, getting down the red zone, being able to utilize guys
0: like Donovan Edwards and Corms. you got to turn those field goals into touchdowns. I think Blake Coram had two 19 yard runs actually. So, I mean, like, you know, those are some good runs. Those are really good runs. I mean, anything over yeah. 20, actually, I think Michigan considers an explosive play. So right on the edge of that, I can't remember Chris, if you said it was, was it three and a half, two and a half or three and a half runs of over 15 yards. You was one of yeah. your over unders yeah. so somewhere yeah. in that ballpark for Blake corm I don't think either of them got there, but they were, you know, they were close. I think CJ Stokes, the true freshman had a 13 or 14 yard run. Donovan had a couple nice runs. I think his were all pretty, pretty, uh, pretty mediocre, but at the end of the day, they both got in the end zone. They were both over five yards of carry. Like they were good, but it wasn't quite as dominant as, as I thought. So we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Cade McNamara will throw less than 18 times. That was my number. He threw it 18 times. So there's a push on that one. I think you've called me dumb as hell on that one, if I'm not mistaken. You were thinking that it was going to be like a showcase and he's going to air it out, but. Well, okay. Can, Can I say, can I say that
1: based on what, We have, we've heard, I guess that that was maybe the intention early, but it didn't really translate that way. That, that maybe the, the intention early was to have Cade slinging around and it just didn't seem like that was going to do the job. And so maybe they had to change course a little bit, but yeah, I mean, to me, that was where I, you know, you said 18 attempts and, and I'm thinking in my mind, there's no way you can go out when you're, when you're playing for your job and only throw the ball 18 times against a team like Colorado State. You've got to go out, sling it around the field, and show that you are hands down the guy for the job, and there's no question. And unfortunately for Cade McNamara, that could not have been further from the truth on
0: Saturday. Yeah, looked looked off on his first two or three. Never really connected on anything down the field. It was all pretty much you know crossing paths. Now, I am going to
1: give him credit. I had a vantage point from it. And, and by the way, listen, It's a good thing we didn't have this show on Sunday because I was running at about my temperature was at about a thousand degrees (laughs) Celsius or Fahrenheit, which whatever's hotter. I was there. I was burning hot. If we were able to show you the video uh, that we got, you'd be able to see some of the stuff that we're talking about. But
0: um, at
1: at the end of the day, I do want to give credit for Cade. Uh, He hit an incredible pass over the middle. Uh, to Eric all who was crossing the opposite direction. It was a sidearm. It was a sling into like, I don't know if it was double coverage, triple coverage, beautiful ball. It was a net, you know, it it was a big gain. I can't remember what the total yardage was on it, but I thought to myself in that moment. And I said this to you, I'm like, man, I'm watching this video. That's an incredible play by Cade McNamara. And then I thought to myself again, but is it something that JJ can't do? And the answer was no, like that's a play that JJ can make. And so I think that was one of the things that really stood out to me is even though, he showcased a little bit. It wasn't anything that was a difference maker to me in terms of like what you wouldn't expect from JJ.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think is uh was the play to Eric All when he kind of like finger it low and then broke yes. out of a tackle. Yes, yeah. he broke yeah. I mean, out of it. A, yeah, he was covered and Cade put it in about the only spot where All could make a catch. Only. He made an incredible catch and then he ran for another ten or fifteen. Yeah, it was a pretty nice play. Um, but yeah, I mean. You know the first one rolling out to the right. That's supposed to be a pretty easy throw for a quarterback. He, I, I guess Cornelius Johnson could have went down and got it, but it hit him in the you know the mid shin. I, I okay, another play that I have on film, and it's a very
1: clear vantage point. Cade gets the ball down, but I mean that's even if Cornelius catches that ball, the, it's the corners, the, the, yeah. it's not a good throw, and the corner is bearing down on him, and he's going to take a lick. And so that that play was dead in the water whether Cornelius catches that or not
0: yeah, so and then there was you know one behind Cornelius. I know one way outside that he had to die for. There was at least three or four that were pretty badly off target. Ronnie Bell did drop one that gobbled him up right. You know, got him right here, and it just zipped yeah. through his hands. But all in all, fifty percent completion, one touchdown, and really the you know the bulk of his yards came on the bubble screen that was a one yard pass forward. Anybody who tells you anything is going to tell you that a bubble screen is an extension of the run game. It's just an outside outside run. Couple receivers blocking downfield. Roman Wilson faster than anybody on Colorado State's roster. Touchdown. By far not a whole lot done by Cade. I'm sorry. It's just the fact of the play. It's just how that play is designed. Cade was asked to do something that's pretty simple for a college quarterback. He did it really well. Threw it right out there. Good timing. Good speed. Hit Roman Wilson right in the numbers, and he and he took it the rest of the way for a touchdown. So anyway, we'll get back to the Cade JJ stuff. I'm sure as we get going here. Number three, Michigan will have zero turnovers. That happened no turnovers for the big for the maize and surprising. blue on, uh, on Saturday. I care and I think I called you dumb on that. Didn't I? I think you did. I think, yeah, you did. I mean,
1: you know, you would expect week one, there's going to be just, you know, a, a mis uh, miscommunication here and there. Some mistakes uh, would be made. And, and overall, I mean, both sides of the ball, Michigan played relatively clean. I mean, in terms of like penalties, I don't even know how many penalties Michigan had on each side of the ball, but it didn't feel like that was an issue at all. Again, I've got it scheduled to where I'm going to rewatch the game tonight, so I can just see it from a better vantage point and, and get a sense of, you know, what it was really like. But I don't know, were there a lot of penalties in that game? It felt like Michigan played overall pretty clean.
0: I'd have to look back, but no, it was a clean game. Cade yeah. McNamara actually talked about that um, in the post game that it was just a kind of a clean game, but there were some first game feeling type of mistakes for the offense. But yeah, overall sure. pretty clean game, both directions really. Colorado State didn't commit a lot of penalties either; it's pretty good. Yeah. Pretty clean game in terms of penalties and seeing the officials take a bunch of screen time because they didn't didn't really have seeing, to. Do I'm that. seeing Colin say
1: one penalty for Michigan. So yeah, there you go. I'm Sorry. sure I knew
0: somebody probably would have that. Um and credit uh, to the
1: you know, credit to the guys, credit to the coaching staff to come out week one and, and to be able to do that. That's pretty impressive.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Number four, this was probably the biggest development of the day. I said that Michigan would get four plus sacks. They almost doubled it, man. They had seven. <laughs> Seven sacks by nine different guys when you consider the half sack thing, yeah. you know, where there's two guys getting to the quarterback at the same time. So seven individual plays the quarterback was taken to the ground. Nine different guys getting their hands on the quarterback, including Mike Sandra still to start the sack party in the first first quarter. Yabi Enoma on a big third down to force a punt. Braden McGregor finally showed up. Mozzie Smith gets his first career sack. A lot of really cool developments for the sack party that took place. Seven of them for the Wolverines on Saturday. Rod Moore. Yeah. Rod Moore was
1: Chris Jenkins. Again, the vantage point from the sideline was it was very difficult to try to throw the ball or make anything happen. Those, those edge rushers and that defensive front, they were in the backfield all day long. And I think seven sacks proves that. Yep. No doubt. And then,
0: Last, but not wait. So
1: before we move on to the next thing, so, so how do you make up for the loss of David Ojabo and Aiden Hutchinson? You do shit like that. Collectively, you guys just put together seven sacks and that's how you move forward. So again, Colorado state, but if, if they can have that kind of group effort, I think they'll be just fine. And they got the guys to do it.
0: Yeah. And it's what, it's exactly what we heard from some of the players when we were on our, on our trip up to Mackinac, we talked to a couple of them kind of off the record candidly and, They were really excited. Not not that Hutchinson and Ojabo were gone, but that some guys were going to get to do a lot of different things, blitzing from the secondary, blitzing from the linebackers, guys like Jalen Harrell dropping back into pass coverage and looking really comfortable doing it. He's an athletic guy. We've known that, and he he did not look out of place at all when he was having to drop back into some zones. So there was a lot of different stuff going on on defense. Jim Harbaugh today said that Jesse Minter's play calling and scheming and every communication was a plus plus. I I fully agree. I think he was on his game today and man, dude, if, if, if Jim Harbaugh has caught lightning in a bottle for the second year in a row with the coordinator, I mean, last year it was even more so because Mike McDonald had never been a coordinator before. Yeah. And you're like, well, let's see how this goes. Obviously it went really well. And now he's back in the NFL doing the same job and Jesse Minner coming from Vanderbilt. I mean, that's, it's almost like not being a coordinator. <laughs> another, <laughs>
1: another, another burning question.
0: Another Mr. Jesse. Question. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. So just a really good job by him and kind of led to those, you know, seven or I saw someone say Harbaugh said it was eight sacks, whatever the number was, it was a lot. And yeah. uh, they looked, they looked very impressive. RG three on the broadcast said, "What about David H- David Ojabo and Aidan Hutchinson? Michigan's got pass rushers out the wazoo." <laughs> he also said there was an RG in the end zone. If anybody missed that, I mean, he was really good, man. Chris, I've yeah. watched the first half back on replay, and I thoroughly enjoyed listening to. Ryan. I heard,
1: I heard, I saw on social media a lot of calls for RG three to be doing more college football. Games, yeah, he was so good, man. To
0: hearing it, he was really good. Uh, and last but not least, obviously, the final score of the game. I predicted that Michigan would cover the spread, and they did. It was 30-and-a-half. They won by 44, so obviously they they put it on Colorado State pretty good. I mean, I think obviously we both thought they were going to cover it, Um, but you you never know, you never know until you get out there. 30 points is a big number, man. And they, they handled it pretty well. And week one
1: can be tricky sometimes week one can be tricky. I mean, you saw that with Michigan state, you saw that with Ohio state granted, you know, playing a completely different opponent, but you know, nothing's a given on week one when you're trying to figure things out against an opponent for the first time
0: of the year. There you go. So I, I don't know. Do you give me, okay. How do you, how do you classify my Cade will throw less than 18 times? That's, That's such a push. Got to be a push, right? Yeah, yeah. I classify that as a push. I mean, so four <laughs> correct predictions and a push by the exact number that I said he would throw less than. So I'll take bad, that, man. Bad, I'll take that. Bad. Maybe you I know gotta, what Brandon. Um,
1: Brandon, I would say all of that gambling you do, all of those, you know, you're trying to work it out in your brain. It's it's starting to pay off a little bit.
0: Yeah, for <laughs> your boy made a little bit of money on Saturday. <laughs> I ain't gonna talk about boy. it too much, but. A lot of big spreads got covered. Small bet turned into a big payday. You like those kind of afternoons. So anyway, if Clemson wins tonight, I'm, I'm hitting, them cashing again. I'm cashing again. So no, uh, dude, college football's back. I love it. I love everything. Great. I mean, honestly,
1: is there anything better? Like just what you saw this weekend, is there anything better than college football? I just don't think there is. I mean, you know, March madness is obviously incredible and, and offers, you know, magic of its own, but the entire season of college football and, and and just how much rides on every single game. I just, yeah. th- there's
0: nothing like it, man. It's, it's by far my favorite time of the year. Well, Brady, it's funny that you bring that up. How about LSU and Florida state? <laughs> it's everybody's favorite segment. Woo! It's TFG and I'm going to go first. And how, how about that? Brian Kelly. How about Brian wait. Kelly and his family? So is our, is our
1: music. Do we got our music going?
0: It's playing. Can't you hear it? No, I can't hear it. Yeah, you sound real quiet again, too. Something's up, dude. Something is up. There we go. Okay, now we got it. I got a little bit. You sound super quiet over on your side, dude. I don't know why. Something's
1: going on. All right, go back to your Brian Kelly impression. I was digging it. Let's hear it. Take two.
0: Me and my family (laughs) just so excited to be in Baton Rouge. By the way, this is hilarious. This is so freaking funny. Chris, I was talking to you about Brian Kelly, uh, the the happenings for LSU special teams, like two muff punts that were yeah. recovered by Florida State, the missed extra point that would have sent it into overtime a really costly personal foul penalty at some point during the game. And I think there was one other thing and I can't remember what it was. I think there were five things that like a special teams coach would be pissed off about at any point in the year. And all five of them happened in the one game last <laughs> night. No, here's the funny thing though. The only coach that came with Brian Kelly from Notre Dame special teams, coach, special teams guy. Yeah. Beautiful. Awesome. Gotta Sweet. love it. <laughs> Brian Kelly's face. Matched his shirt almost all night—a nice bluish hue, if you will, purple, indigo, a, a deep nice purple hue. He's fitting right in down there in Baton Rouge, and yeah, dude, you start losing some games down there, Chris. You said that to me on the phone earlier. Like, they don't play that. They don't dude, play ain't. that. You, you know what? You lose
1: games. You know, uh, coaching for Notre Dame, and you know, you might get some people angry, but relatively, you're safe. You start losing games down in Baton Rouge. And they're going to come looking for you. You're not going to last long, especially when you're losing to Florida State like that. So, yeah, Brian Kelly not off to a great start down there in Louisiana. Yeah. Is that how you say that? Is that how you how you'd put that out? Take it over for. All right, I guess I got to go to my TFG, right? And this is actually – this is a first. This is a first because I've taken TFG, which is usually singular – and it's going to be plural in this case. It's these effing guys, and I'm sorry, but it goes to the the Iowa Hawkeyes football team <laughs> who defeated South Dakota State. They defeated South Dakota State at home by a score of seven to three. So you might be thinking, well, that's a shitty offensive. You know, you get one touchdown, whatever. You win the game, you escape. No, no. The seven points didn't come from a <laughs> touchdown. The seven points that Iowa scored came from one field goal and two safeties. Unreal. One one field goal and two safeties, and you beat South Dakota State seven to three. I don't know what the temperature was in Iowa City for that game, but God bless the fans who s- sat in the stands the entire time and watched Iowa put up that kind of offensive performance. I don't know that I've ever seen or heard of anything like
0: that. That's what I said, just a bunch of corn cobs out there just frying in the sun, dude. Just <laughs> what, roasting. What in is here. that?
1: What is that? Seven so points. Chris,
0: with that with that being your – with them being your TFG, like, I know it's four weeks away now. No, nope, it Iowa's changes fun. nothing about wow, how I feel. Wow. It changes
1: absolutely – you know what? In fact, that plays into exactly how you would think it would play. That Iowa yeah, looks like so. shit, they don't have any offense, and then all of a sudden the Wolverines get into Kinnick and it's like, where the hell has this Iowa team been all year? They're playing out of their minds. And so yeah, this is pretty much on par from what I would expect for Iowa. It doesn't make me feel any better about that week five matchup.
0: TFG, everyone loves it. That Brian was
1: Phenomenal.
0: Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> Louisiana. Maybe I'll just do the whole show in my Brian. I, I, Kelly dude, can flag. we can we just
1: do an entire show where we're on a rotating platform together, just booty clapping from like different angles? Can we just
0: dude the the mother? Oh, I about drop.
1: You know, it's too. Yeah, there's it. probably there's a lot of people out was, there that don't. He
0: was voguing.
1: He was, he was voguing. voguing.
0: He was voguing. He was doing
1: this. Well, listen here. Now, I'm not gonna get. I'm not gonna be too hard on on Brian Kelly for for old old people type moves. I just found out. Look, I'll admit it. I've got an Android phone, and I just found out uh, over the course of the last week that basically, if you have an Android phone and you send a message to somebody who's an Apple user. And and it doesn't pop up a certain color on their phone. And in, in other words, they know you're an Android user. They pretty much view you as a piece of shit. That's what I found out. Uh, yeah, like you're you're old. You're a loser. You got to get with the program. So, yeah, I, I might be just a couple clicks away from voguing myself, to be quite honest.
0: I wish you would vogue with your Android on the on a <laughs> cell phone clip on the outside <laughs> of your belt, and maybe like like a. Like a like a keychain with like fifty five keys on it. I, look at
1: look at all the Android
0: hate, Android hate in the comments. This is this is what a, this is what a text conversation should look like, Chris. Nah, oh, okay, crispy blueberry. Well, I, mean, I, I don't. It's it's a then color thing. Text, then when I got a text, Chris, I get this.
1: Listen, listen, Antoine. Thank you, Antoine. Yes, Apple is overrated. What is this? You got to have a special connection to do this. Oh, you got to have special earbuds to do this. Oh, you got to have a certain thing to do that. Screw Apple. I can can go into the gas station and get every damn thing I need for my Android
0: off the shelf for less
1: than 20 bucks. Boom.
0: Spoken like a true (laughs) Android user. Thank you. You just made everyone's point in the chat. I could go into a gas station and get my phone.
1: That's what I'm saying.
0: (laughs) Meanwhile, we're over here. Sitting by the lake, yeah, no, but the thing is, you're not though, you're not sitting by the lake, we're sitting in the same place. Oh, your boy was at the lake, you know, your boy was at the lake. <laughs> Meanwhile, our other boy was down here doing some of that. <laughs> look at your boy, dude. I, I gotta be honest, uh,
1: we thought I might sweat uh during the day, and look, hey, hold on a second, I just Ryan gotta say,
0: an Android. <laughs>
1: That's that's a dick move, Cody. That's a, look, mistakes were made.
0: Oh yeah, this is good. Everybody Dude, I get don't know if you guys can see. Uh it's faded a little bit. It's faded a little bit. Okay, it's it's faded. A little bit. He had the half moon because that, you know, that's Chris's uniform right there. The hat backwards. That that is a prime real estate right there for the sunshine beaten down. Yeah. You know, yeah. you
1: guys, you guys don't know how dangerous it is out there for people like us. So, so mistakes were made. I didn't use any sunscreen. I was, uh, you know, sweating like, it, yes, shiny as hell. Hence the, uh, the hat. That's why I wear it on the podcast and pretty much, yep. uh, all, all the, uh, all the rest of the time. But yeah, man, down on the field, hot as hell, really looking forward to a much cooler day next Saturday. Hope, uh, <laughs> hope the rain doesn't, uh, wash everything out, but, uh, it was a hot one, man. It was a hot one.
0: Yeah. So. Anyway, Chris, I'm, you know, I hope your phone manages to work for you whenever you need it. It's been good to you so far. Oh, but yeah, it was pretty I, funny. I, I, a
1: droid has never failed me yet.
0: Hasn't that failed was, me yet. That was pretty funny. It just, well. <laughs> What what was that? What, it was we were talking with uh we were talking with Emily over at Mediascapes and I, she's an iPhone user and we said yeah whenever I if I put a new phone number in to text somebody and it stays green I'm like I'm, I'm not even messaging them and she just was like it's true it's incredible it's true it's incredible man it's you had no
1: idea it's very one percenter of you mentality <laughs> I, I, I don't know <laughs> I keep it real dude I'm from uh, the streets I rock Android I don't even use a phone
0: case half the time uh, my shit's cracked. Oh, speaking of phone, no, I'm not going to put the phone case up there. No, I do it.
1: No, hey, should we do it? Should we veer off? Should we take a detour and put the phone case up and take? Well, no, actually, well, there's a way to present it that I think it's fair. I'll ask you. I'll give it to the people. Is is that a phone case that a grown ass man should have? We'll take it to the people. We'll put a vote out there in the comments section right now. If you can see Brandon's phone case, you tell me. Is that a phone case a grown man should have? Here's the deal. I <laughs> look at them here. They come rolling in right now. WTF, WTF hard. No, 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 no pass, pass, pass. I told him if he doesn't end up using it, we can give it to my, my uh, four-year-old daughter. Here's the deal.
0: I ordered a phone case on Amazon. They lost it. So I was trying to have one. <laughs> Be, you, Brandon. Be you Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was trying, I ordered a phone case on Amazon. They lost it. So I didn't have one for the game and I'm, you know, I got a, br- I just got my phone last week, whatever. I didn't, I wanted a case on it. <laughs> you right, right. make me feel like I'm living a. Went to, <laughs> went to the store, went to buy it. There were three cases. I didn't really like any of them that much. There was this one, three cases that fit my phone, the iPhone 13 Pro Max. Chris, take notes. The iPhone 13 <laughs> Pro this guy, Max. This
1: guy's giving me phone advice.
0: Come on. There were only three cases that fit my phone. I didn't really like any of them. One was twenty five, one was twenty. This one was four dollars. So I bought it. I'm going to use it for about a week. I ordered another one on Amazon. It will be here on Monday. There it is. That's it. And then I will hey, give listen. this to one of my nieces who's about fourteen. Years. I was going right, to say the, the people have clearly spoken. It's fine. You know what, Antoine? I almost bought the pop socket that had glitter on it just to complete the, the whole the whole ensemble. Uh, so until then, there you go. Oh I'm a, goodness. I'm a man. I'm Woo. almost 40. All right.
1: That is a, that is a father. That is a father rocking that.
0: I'm sweating right now. Trying to defend myself. <laughs> that, I'm not going <laughs> <I'm not> to <laughs> lie. All right. Next. We're going to talk about, um, some of the grades from pro football focus. And I, uh, look, yeah. we do this. We did this last year too. I, I like pro football focus for a lot of things. They keep, they keep snap counts. They do their grades, whether you think they're good at it or not. I I mean, I I could go both ways. I can see sometimes where I'm like, you know, that probably was graded a certain way and maybe they don't know. And we're going to get to a we're going to get to an example from the game on on Saturday in just a minute. Why? Maybe they don't have any idea what they're talking about, but they also (laughs) they also track the direction of runs. They track the depth of throws, completions, incompletions. Well,
1: somebody doesn't know something. Can't we we confidently say that at this point?
0: Right. Contested catches versus open catches, broken tackles, missed tackles. I mean, like some stuff, like you you just, it just is. Offensive lineman blocking grades appear to be one of the areas where there's a little (laughs) bit of some discrepancy. We're going to get into that in a couple of minutes. All right. I put a 15 snap minimum on these grades for giving the top performers and bottom performers, because young Mr. JJ McCarthy was the highest scored player on the offense. uh, But he only played 11 snaps. We're going to get into that as well. So the highest graded player on the field on the offensive side of the ball was who Chris, who played at least 15 snaps. Where would you go with that thought?
1: My my gut wants to say Junior Colson, but I think it might offense. be Jalen. Sorry, oh off, offensive player, offensive yep, player. Oh.
0: I, I have no I Blake Horum, I have no idea. It was Luke Schoonmaker. That, that would have never guessed. Schoonmaker graded out at an eighty six point nine. He did a phenomenal job in the run blocking game, according to Pro Football Focus, and that doesn't surprise me. Um, based on what we've heard about him and how he's developed as a player there. But Luke Schoonmaker came in with the highest offensive score that played at least 15 snaps. Number two was Donovan Edwards as a 78.9. So those are your two top scoring offensive players in the game per pro football focus. Now, the bottom of the barrel, this is where I found it very interesting. Actually, the worst scoring offensive player who played at least 15 snaps per pro football focus was Trevor Keegan. Then Mm. today during Jim Harbaugh's press conference, he said that Trevor Keegan was the highest graded offensive lineman on the team and said that he would have given him the game ball, that he was the best offensive lineman out on the field. I, when I first saw the score, I was like, that makes sense. He kicked out to left tackle. He's not a left tackle, but he's versatile enough. He's athletic enough. Put him out there. Maybe he was a little uncomfortable. Might have done something here, there, whatever. You know, I don't think Michigan, I think there was only one sack in the game. So I don't think anybody was really like whiffing on pass pro. Maybe he wasn't doing exactly. I, well, I don't know. However, pro football focus scores it. They had him the lowest out of all players with 15 snaps or more. And Jim Harbaugh said he was the best. I mean, like, where does your brain go when you hear that? I mean, should I stop? Looking at pro football focus, or is this Jim Harbaugh just trying to pump up his guy who maybe didn't play that well, but he wants to give him some confidence that he did all right out there at left tackle? I'm trying to figure out what this might mean
1: yeah I I don't I think it might be a little bit of both I know that people are big into the pro football focus and that and and what they do and putting out the grades for certain players and you know there's a whole system that they use to grade that out but but then it is a little bit strange when you see that you know one of your offensive linemen is graded the lowest and then your head coach comes out and says we're giving him the game ball you know incredible job by, by Trevor Keegan and so you know I don't know what the discrepancy is there maybe there's a chance someday in the near future, we'll talk to one of the good folks from, from Pro Football Focus and get better insight into, you know, how they're actually coming to these these grades that they're putting out and some of the things that they're using that they can walk us through. Because no, it's John, interesting. I, how, do, how do you get to that?
0: Yeah, John, I totally agree. I'm not saying he – I I don't expect him to trash a player. I don't really think coaches should do that at press conference. No, not game not ball. The for, but to say he was the best and give him the game ball when, like, Somebody who objectively is just grading his performance said he was one of the worst. I just found that I found that interesting. I, I mean, yeah. I'd, I'd like to hear. It's never going to happen. I would like to sit down with the guy who graded it from Pro Football Focus, sit down with Jim Harbaugh and Sharon Moore, and say, "All right, what the hell's going on here?" Settle it. Happen, Settle it. I would just like to see kind of how that how that works. Yes, Dwayne and I actually use those exact words. I said, "I know Pro Football Focus is not the Bible, and I also know that Jim Harbaugh is no, is known to." compliment his guys, maybe when it's not even completely warranted. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But I just found that a little bit interesting that there was such a gap there. All right. On the defensive side of the ball, Chris, who do you think scored highest uh, for the defensive players? I think you actually said both. I, guys. I
1: would say junior Colson or Jalen Harrell. Jalen Harrell was number
0: one okay. highest scoring player on the team with a 91.4 Dude, there's a fly down here again. How does this happen? Oh. I, brought the, I brought the zapper down here, and I couldn't – I don't remember where I set it down at. Can we uh, get that J- the
1: Bumblebee music while you, uh, yeah. tra- you track Seriously. that thing?
0: Jalen Harrell, 91.4. Junior Colson, 84.2. And then somewhat – oh, dude. He <laughs> somewhat surprisingly – Kalel Mullings was the lowest ranking, the lowest graded player on the defense. I thought he looked like he did pretty well at times. He was in on, I think the very first tackle of the game. Uh, It looked like he was in position most of the time. Again, like I'm not going through play by play and watching Mullings, 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 well, you know, to get these scores, but sometimes things stick out and sometimes they don't. And so to me, he didn't really stick out as doing anything poorly, but that's where, that's where they had him. So, Jalen Harrell, 91.4, the highest grade of the entire game. Junior Colson was at an 84.2. I thought he was phenomenal. He led the team in tackles with 10. Rod Moore was great. DJ Turner was great. Mike Saner still was great. The defense yep. really showed up, and a lot of those guys had some pretty high marks in that one uh, you know, unsurprisingly because they looked – dude, the defense uh, – so when I finally got back, got back and was talking to my dad, he, the first thing he said was, when did Michigan get so fast on defense? And I'm like, yeah, they, they look fast, man. They were flying around and they were definitely a lot, lot faster than Colorado state. And uh, yeah, I think that, I think that was pretty apparent and certainly helped lead to a couple turnovers, a pick scoop and score and the big sack day. So anyway, there you go. I, who did you pick as your player of the game? Was it saner still? Mike
1: saying still Mikey saying still. Yeah, man. I just, you know, I, 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 and I, I put this out on a post on social media earlier and you and I talked about it. Uh, Tony, it was great to meet you as well. Uh, Tony Petrovsky got to meet him down on the sideline briefly. Nice. He's been a follower for quite some time. So just another one of the cool things that was able to happen down there. Met a ton of people who I've interacted with before, but never was able to meet in person. Uh, that's besides the point, uh, getting back to defensive MVP, yeah, man, Mike Sainer still, I said it earlier on social media, I thought the move to defense was a token move to appease a guy who basically got shuffled out of the wide receiver position, and I could not have been more wrong about that. I think Mike Sainer still, oh, let's hear it. Oh, I thought, were you going to play some Sarah McLaughlin there or something? I wasn't sure what was coming. I was just trying um, to <laughs> But it, it looks like Mike Sainer still might be, you know, one of the best overall football players on the team. And I think the fact that he was willing to put the team needs above his own and he's excelling, it seems to be excelling in that position. That's something we're going to talk about a little bit later with burning questions. But I walked away from that really impressed, man. I think he got the first sack of the evening. He was all over the place. He was quick. He just looked like he belonged out there. And I think uh, I'm
0: excited to see what he does the rest of the year. I think we haven't seen the best from him yet. The physicality really surprised me with him. I mean, this is a 5'10", 182-pounder. And he was... Dog. Mike Samer still? Dog. He's a dog. He was a dog. He looked like he'd been playing defensive back forever and like he's got a future yeah. in the freaking NFL. Like, that's how good he looked out there. Fighting off blocks, making tackles. We know he's got ball skills. We know he can run and cover. Um, you know, he was a do it all kind of guy in high school, but it's a totally different animal when you get to college yeah. and he's been playing receiver for four year, three years. It's just, it was really, really impressive. And Jim Harbaugh could not have been more complimentary of him and Mike Barrett. Jim Harbaugh went on and on and on about Mike Barrett and his future in the game of football because of, you know, he's kind of traditionally speaking, he's kind of a tweener, but he's perfect for today's football where you've got a cover and you're like a nickel, you're like a linebacker, you're like a safety, and, you know, he just – he he was just – he spoke about him more than any other player individually, and I thought that was pretty – I don't want to say surprising, but, like, you know, we picked our guy, we've heard about this, the scores yeah. on football focus, the stats, whatever, whatever, and it was Mike Barrett that Jim Harbaugh wanted to talk about um, maybe more than anybody else. Him and, him and Mike Zane were still – those were the two guys that Jim Harbaugh really kind of, you know – championed at the press conference today and i think for good reason especially with Sainristill. still i'd have yep. to maybe go back and watch barrett a little more closely he had six tackles i mean he was he was out there making plays no doubt about it but again for mike Sainristill, still who's you know not a big guy to switch sides of the ball like that and be a physical presence and make stops and get a sack and it was just it was impressive to watch man no doubt about it um so there you go we are going to then... Uh, dude, Burning Questions is coming up. Are you ready? You mm, all I
1: am control? ready. I've got them ready to fire, man. Burning Questions. Burn. My favorite segment, Burning
0: Questions. Quick word from the homie, Mr. Rich Schultz out at Mediascapes. Hey, this is Rich from Mediascapes located in Burton. Let me fill you in a little bit about our business. We are a full-service sign and graphic company from banners, yard signs, to vehicle wraps. When it comes to marketing your business, we also provide video and photography services, as well as apparel and promotional items. If it's something that will make your business or organization stand out, we do it. And I guarantee you, we do it well. We are Mediascapes on Dora Highway, south of Bristol Road, just before Rock Bottom. Check out our work at Mediascapes.com. That's Mediascapes with a K.com. So there you see it Mediascapes with a K.com. There's your phone number. They're in Burton, Michigan. They build brands with a purpose. They are a big deal, dude. They're a big deal for us. That's for damn sure. They're helping Good. us out in a major way. Rich is the man. I think a lot of you guys got to see him uh, before the game started he was in the RV with us. He was a little bit out of the, he was a little bit out of the frame but he popped yeah. over a couple times and said what up and he talked a couple times and big big Michigan fans super super nice dude. Everybody over there top notch. Like we said, th- they do so much. Even if you're not sure they can help, just pop in and ask. And I I'm, I'm <laughs> willing to bet that Rich might be able to figure something out. There's no question about that. I'll yeah. we'll leave it at so, that. Rich has been awesome, and we're super excited to have him as part of the team. We're right.
1: okay, baby.
0: I'm not going to hold back anymore. I I don't know what's Let's up with it. the audio. Everything sounds super quiet and muffled to me. So I hope this doesn't like blow everyone else's eardrums out because it's it's strange. Like my voice is super loud. The question or the the music, the drops, your audio, Chris, all sounds quiet to me. I'm not wow. sure why. But... No, nah, anyway. man, it
1: sounds, well, sounds all right. Everybody out
0: there, let us know if something's off off, and we'll try to fix it. But burning questions, here we go. Do you want to go first or would you like me to get us started? <sighs>
1: I'll kick it off. I'll kick it off. And it's, it's something right? that uh, I brought up early in the show. We talked about it a little bit. The Michigan defense, obviously impressive, um, held, you know, Colorado State couldn't do anything. Seven sacks on the – eight sacks on the afternoon, I guess, according to Jim Harbaugh. Here's my question. How would you grade Jesse Minner's performance after week one?
0: Well, Jim Harbaugh said it was an A++. When you basically pitch a shutout, I know I did. I've been around football my whole life, man, you know, not at a high level like this, but even more so at a high level like this. They hate giving up that shutout. And I know Will Johnson's probably kicking himself today, and it's not that big of a deal in the grand scheme, but they were that one play away from keeping a goose egg up there on the, on the, on the scoreboard. Jim Harbaugh mentioned that the headsets were clean, that it was communication was great. The calls were timely. They were never scrambling. Not once. Think about this. You see this almost every game from every team where there's a a, a player two or three here that here and there where the defense is kind of like, you know, might be trying to switch from strong to strong to weak or you got guys running and they're not set. I don't that, that didn't happen one time. And maybe that was. You know Colorado State not disguising much, or they're not doing a lot of motion stuff. I don't know what the you know what the occasion might be exactly, but they they looked on top of it all day long. They never really got beat on any big plays. They never missed any assignments. Never had a broken play aside from the wasn't really a broken play. Will Johnson just got beat. I mean that's all it was. Um, I'd give it like an A. I'd, I'd have to give it an A. I don't know where I could go to say that this wasn't this wasn't done well. Colorado State, Michigan was supposed to win by a lot, and they did. And I think that means something. And like I said, they were a 34 yard fourth quarter bomb away from pitching a shutout in the first game of the year for Minter as a, as a DC. I think it was an outstanding performance. Yeah.
1: And I think, you know, you go back to the early part of the offseason and you lose a guy like Mike McDonald, who obviously helped Michigan achieve so much success, mainly against Ohio State. And, and you wonder what the defense looks like. You don't have Mike McDonald. You don't have some of those big t- – I think they lost seven guys on the defensive side of the ball, seven contributors, and to me it was a reload situation, and it was everything we heard from Nakai Hill Green when we were there in, in, in Mackinac, and he said, like, look, this defense is fast. These guys fly around. You know, the the, the secondary, DJ Turner, Mike we were talking about creating turnovers and, and creating havoc, and it just looks like that defense – I get it was week one, and I get that it was Colorado State, but they fly around. They don't really miss too many assignments. I think this is going to be, once again, one of the best defenses in the country, which makes me really, really, really excited about the potential of the offense next week because if they can put this thing together on both sides, look out.
0: Yeah. Antoine, a couple really nice comments here, so I'll put this one up and refer back to your other one. Yeah, the, the, the quarterback for Colorado State did look confused. There were times where he... Looked like he tried to get out of there, and he really didn't need to yet. But it's because whatever he thought he was about to see, he didn't see. So Team maybe goes. the coverage, you yeah. know, coverage dropped out, or the pressure from the outsides, pressure up the middle. He was he was rattled. And then to to Antoine's other point, yeah, there were a lot of times where it was really hard to identify what Michigan was in. Was it an even front? Was it an odd front? Who's coming? Who's you know? They were doing the the phantom blitz and then backing out of there. I saw Mike Sainer still a couple times at the last second with, sprint back to a deep zone when he was right up by the line of scrimmage i mean they they made it really tough on colorado state all day long and like i said aside from the one late touchdown they 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 were damn near perfect i mean pretty close gave up a third and 14 early i think they had another long third down at one but like pretty much pretty much flawless for a game one against the team that they really had a hard time preparing for you've got a new coach 50 new players. I mean, they talked about that on the broadcast a ton. All the transfers. This quarterback who had never played before. They were literally having to watch high school film on this kid because he didn't play last year as a true freshman. So there was a lot to get prepared for, and Michigan was very clearly prepared for whatever Colorado yeah. State was going to throw at him. So yeah, I think that was a, a very, very good job by Jesse Minter in that defense. Um, all right, Chris. I'm it's it's the it's the big, it's the it's the big matzo ball. Everybody's out there talking about it. <laughs> was that Kate McNamara's last start? Yeah.
1: Yeah, it was. Yeah, it absolutely was because, you know, JJ played better and fewer snaps in the second half, and I would expect more of the same against Hawaii. I think he's going to, you know, now, now the weather, if the weather is, you know, rainy, it might change up a little bit. You know, he, he's probably not going to go and sling the ball all over the field like he would have otherwise. But I already think it's clear. You know, if you listen to the way Jim Harbaugh talked in the postgame press conference on Saturday, you know, he said Cade played good. There were some things that happened there, some plays, you know, yada, yada, yada. And then when he got to J.J., one of the first words he used was electric when he's out there. Mm-hmm. And it's just everybody can see that the offense just moves a little bit differently with J.J. on the football field. We put out a story about this earlier today. That 4-5 or speed, if you're a defense, you have to account for that, and that is not a problem when Cade McNamara is on the field. When J.J.'s out there, if you're a defense, you got to make sure you're fundamentally sound and you account for him at all times, and Jim Harbaugh said as much, and so I think he knows what he's got in his quarterback there, and I think uh, J.J.'s pretty much going to take this opportunity, and based on how long he's been working for it, I don't think he's going to give it back, man. I think that guy's ready. I think mentally he's there, physically he's there, and he's going to have a great performance.
0: I mean, in in just 11 snaps, all he did was go 4 for 4 through the air for 30 yards, carry it three times for 50, and score a touchdown. I mean, on the day that was supposed to be Cade's big audition to go out there and prove, to show everybody, yes, that kid is talented, but I'm the man. Do you remember what I did last year? I'm the man. It wasn't even close to that kind of performance. It just wasn't, man. It just wasn't. 8 for eight for, uh, or nine for 18 for a buck 36 and a touchdown. And again, 61 of it. And, and the score came on a one yard bubble screen to Roman Wilson. So I don't know, man. It just, I'm with you. It all it, I feel like we've already seen enough I, it, to me. It doesn't even matter what JJ does against Hawaii.
1: That's what I'm saying. I, mean, I I feel like the fact that you already had that week one performance out of Cade, which left a lot to be desired, unless JJ goes out and completely shits the bed against Hawaii, which I just can't see happening, if that doesn't happen... I just don't see how in week three you can say, okay, we've made our decision and we're going to roll with Cade for the year, especially, you know, there's some other things going on that we're going to get to in one of my questions. But I don't think it's just the play on the field. I think that there are some other signs here that that was Cade's last last game as starter at the University of Michigan.
0: Yep, I agree. All right. What you got? Number two from you. Holy
1: shit. It's my turn again already. All right, here we go. I was impressed with him, obviously, on Saturday. I singled him out when we did our post-game coverage. I said he was my defensive MVP. I'm curious, are you ready to say, Brandon Brown, that Mike Sainer still is the real deal on defense, or is the jury still out? Do you need to see more action from Mike Sainer still to think, like, yeah, that guy's
0: legit? He's legit. He's legit. I'm, I am ready to say that because... I remember covering him as a recruit thinking like, I'm not really sure where this guy plays. Like some of his interceptions and runbacks were the best plays on his highlight film in high school. I know that's high school and this is, it's a completely different animal and he hasn't been playing DB in three or four years. I, I understand that, but he's clearly got the ability. He's clearly got the IQ. He's clearly got the respect and the trust of his teammates being voted as a captain. And now Really, the only question mark I had about him before was like, you know, does he is he really going to mix it up? Like, you know, a a lot of guys who play DB their whole lives don't really like to tackle. I mean, that's kind of a knock on some DBs. And that was not the case at all with Mike Sanford. So the physical part of the game was there in spades. We know he can run. We know he's got the ball skills. He made plays in the spring game. He made plays out there uh, Saturday against Colorado State. I mean, he's not going to be perfect. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets beat at some point this year or he, you know, he does something a little rusty, but right. they all do that. Every DB does that. So, yeah, I, I think I've seen enough, you know, as an experienced, versatile player who did it all in high school and clearly is loved by his teammates and puts in the work. I, I think he's the real deal, man. I think you can put him out there against any team in the country and feel good about what he's going to do.
1: Yeah. I mean, the the thing about that position is I I don't think it's, and, and I played football a long time ago. I know that playing wide receiver is is different than playing like a cornerback position or playing out in the secondary. It's a little bit different and to be able to step in that position on that side of the ball and do it at that level. I think that's the thing that really impresses me. It's not like this is how you school football where you're a two way player. Mike Sandra still has been a wide receiver at the university of Michigan for three right. years and is making this transition. And in week one looked like one of the, best defenders on the football field and that doesn't happen by accident. And so I'm confident in saying he's the real deal. Obviously you want to see more out of that as the season goes along, but based on what that little sample size
0: provided, I think Mike Sainer still is legit on the defensive side of the ball. I'm excited for him. I'm with you. I'm with you. All right. Number two is a building question upon uh, my first question. So the Cade, the JJ thing, the back and forth Cade starts week one. We all saw how he looked and how he sounded after that game. J.J.'s now going to start against Hawaii. We think it's now J.J.'s time. He's going to run with it and not look back. Do you think this will cause any kind of problem in the locker room? And I feel like this might have been what you were alluding to a little bit ago, like the chemistry. He's a team captain. Like, oh, he's going to go out there and do the coin toss and then ride pine the whole game. Like, what, what does that do? Like, is this going to be like, oh, my gosh, dude, all the, this chunk of receivers loves Cade. This chunk loves J.J. It's never going to work. How do you see this playing out?
1: I think it will impact the locker room zero percent. I think these guys have matured to a point as a program where they're rallying behind both guys, and when one guy gets the nod, I just think I, I think there's only going to be support from the team no matter what happens. The only issue, you know, obviously if Cade loses his starting job he's that's, that's tough. There's no way around it. You know, he said he's built up a callus for things like this, but losing your job at the university of Michigan is probably going to be a tough pill to swallow. As far as how the other guys take it, I think they're 100% in on the team, the success of the program. I think they have bought in. I think that's what the culture is all about. So I don't think this is going to cause any ripples within the locker room. In fact, I bet you there's a segment of that locker room that's real excited to see what this offense looks like with J.J. behind center, and, and there's some excitement building in the within Beckler that Saturday is going to be special.
0: You know what? It's funny that you say that because if you go back and watch the touchdown run by J.J. where he little shoulder wiggle and then erases the angle and score, I mean, like, dude, he just made it look so easy, and that was a DB that he shook and that he beat to the corner, the 4-5 speed that Jim Harbaugh talked about when he got back together with all the teammates – and they were all cheering for each other and hugging on each other. Ronnie Bell runs right up to JJ's face and goes like this and waves. I'm assuming that means, you know, you just left that guy in the dust. Bye bye to that defender. Maybe it means something else. I don't, I'm not. I'm not one of these people that's going to start like he's waving bye bye to Cade because he knows. he doesn't <laughs> My point is that it was a very natural celebratory thing with all those guys, and they loved what the young QB was doing. It looked like. It looked like. It looked like it looked to all of us. It looked Dude, like listen, easy and obvious. That's what it listen, looked.
1: Listen, we don't know him. I wouldn't even say that we, we we don't know him personally. But we have spent enough time around JJ McCarthy to where I can confidently say this: there isn't a single person on that team that doesn't appreciate him and like being around him. He's just that kind of guy. And if that's not the case in the locker room, I would be shocked. The way he interacts with the fans, the way he is with us, just the way he is in general. You know he what? just seems like he's that kind of guy that people buy into, and I, I don't see there being an issue.
0: I'm going to steal a line from Juwan Howard. He used to, I'm pretty sure it was Brandon Johns he used to say this about. I know Brandon Johns has moved on, but he used to say, if you don't like Brandon Johns, that's a you problem. There I feel like that's Kate. that's JJ. And I, yeah. I I I just spoke I just slipped a uh, slip of the tongue. I think that's K too. I, I like yeah. I, to back to your point. I feel like the team likes both of these guys personally. Right. Like there's, there's, Well that's
1: the issue with this whole debate. Yeah, it has like,
0: nothing to do with like.
1: No, it's, it doesn't.
0: It doesn't, it doesn't. And it doesn't, need it's not, yeah,
1: it's not an emotional deal. And you see like, you know, super fans on social media saying, Oh, well, this is doing this to Kate and this is doing this to JJ. And it doesn't matter. These are not emotional decisions. It's pretty damn simple. If one guy is better than the other guy, you play that guy. The goal is to win and to play your best players. And so if you let emotions get in the way, you can't, you, you can't coach like that. And I'm, I can't, you know I know that there's some people that think they're not a big fan of the move that, that Jim Harbaugh is making the first two weeks. I said it week one, heading into week one, and I'll say it again. I'm giving that man kudos because I have routinely been pounding the table saying, try something. Just yeah. try it. Give it Get a shot. There. See what it looks like. Let yeah. him, you know, don't just give him like a couple plays in a series. Give him some time to make things happen. And that's going to happen in a very big way on Saturday on the biggest stage under the lights. And, and that's what you want from a coach.
0: Yeah. Yep. I mean, I'm excited for it. It's a little bit weird. There's no doubt about it. You know, look, what it what would... traditionally does the does the head coach just make a tough decision and say you're the guy? Yeah, that's that's fine. That's fair you want to criticize that a little bit, but like Chris just said, I've been wanting to see JJ play and that's what we're going to get. So I, I don't, I don't know how you can be bummed out about that. You know, it's, it's a little weird. It's a little unusual. Cade McNamara said as much. Yeah. It's pretty strange. I don't really, I don't I've never really heard of it before, but it is what it is, man. Get, get nine in there and see what it looks like.
1: All right. Well, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to go back. I'm, I'm going to switch the order. Of one of my questions based on what you just said, because I want to get to it. All right. Cade, Cade McNamara in his post-game press conference. I don't want to read too much into it, but looked like a guy that wasn't happy, looked like a guy that maybe knew he didn't play his best football and looked like a guy who was frustrated overall about the situation in general. And he said, you know, to paraphrase, you know, he didn't he, he wasn't aware of the quarterback situation. He wasn't aware that Jim Harbaugh was going to make this decision. He felt like it was unusual. He felt like he did enough to win the job and that he was just going to have to deal with whatever the coaches decide. So my question to you is, you know, as Cade McNamara as a captain of the Michigan football team, were his post-game comments fair or were they out of line?
0: Um that's not really for me to say. Um, <laughs> that's that's about it on that. No, I mean, that's how he looked, man. They just won by fifty, and that's how he looked. He just kept saying pretty vague stuff like "It's not really my call," like "I don't really know." But yeah, he did. He did say some pretty specific things in terms of him not winning the job. There were some other but, questions that he kind of danced but, around. But a fair,
1: bit. fair, or was he out of line given his position and status on that team? So look it's not
0: a great look I look I would probably feel this I know I would feel the same way I'm I'm absurdly competitive when it comes to anything I can't stand losing and these dudes are at a higher level than I've ever even dreamed about so I'm sure it's eating him at his core dude I'm sure he hates the fact that damn it man it looks like I just lost my job I didn't play very good today I know how talented JJ is I see him practice every day right next to me He's taller than me. He's faster than me. He can throw it farther and harder than I can. And he's younger than me. Like, he's got more going for me in just about every way that a quarterback should have Have things going for him. I don't know. How else do you want him to act? I I mean, it's completely human and completely understandable. And I'm not going to judge the guy for it. But, yeah, when you're a captain, dude, it doesn't look very good. And he he had pretty bad body language. And his answers were kind of like, well, it is what it, I don't care. I mean, he didn't say I don't care. But that's that's kind of how it looked, and so it, I, I feel like I'm kind of answering both sides of the question here. I don't blame him at all. I'd probably do the same thing, but at the same time, you're a senior, you're a captain, you were the starter last year. It's not the best look, you know, for yourself for what happened on the field. Not his individual play, but you did win by fifty, and then the rest of the team is seeing that. I know there were a couple times where Blake Corum's kind of like. It was almost like Blake Horn was trying to get him to like nod with him. Like, bro, do a little bit. Like yeah. you are killing me up here. Like, I don't know if he was really thinking that, but that's it. That's how everybody else saw it. I think.
1: Yeah. I just don't know how you look at it any other way. And and I get the human element. And I think that that's fair. I think that Cade McNamara has had tremendous pressure on him for months And then, you know, you get this announcement and if it did blindside him and he didn't see it coming, I could see how that would, you know, because according to Cade, you know, all through big 10 camp and leading up to everything, you know, he was having the be playing the best football of his life and hitting everything. And so to get the message that, okay, well, you're going to get week one, JJ is going to get week two. I can see how you'd be pissed off about that. That makes sense. But, but I guess what I was disappointed in, and I know he was asked the question and, and I appreciate that he answered it honestly. But when you are just coming off of a week one victory where you destroyed your opponent, um, I just don't see how you can go up as a captain and look that miserable representing the football program. I just, you know, to me, it was a bad look for Cade McNamara as captain of the Michigan football program. And it also spoke to, I think he knows where this thing is headed. Yeah. And, and, and in some ways, I think most of the team knows where this thing is headed after that. And and I think you could see a lot of that in the press conference. And so that goes back to, yeah, I do believe Cade McNamara started his last game for Michigan. And I think that showed in his press conference. I think he knew that as well.
0: Yeah, it it, it certainly felt that way. It certainly felt that way. All right, Chris, this is, this is where you and I are going to look like dicks. Are you prepared for that? I'm always prepared to look like a dick. All right. Chris, <laughs> well... I was gonna make a bald joke, but I'm not gonna do that. (laughs) You you prick! I'm not. I'm I'm baldest. I'm not gonna. Haven't our people suffered enough? Haven't our people suffered enough? I was gonna say, just go upstairs real quick and put put a turtleneck on, and we'll really, we'll really. (laughs) Um, I might do a show with a flesh-colored turtle. I, I might, might. I I may do do it. it. The Jerry Seinfeld episode where he's playing chess (laughs) against himself. Come on, that's good stuff. That's gold. All right, here we go. Chris, we talked about this last year for four, five, six, seven weeks, whatever it was. We started talking about it again on the phone. We've seen a little bit of it pop up on the recruiting trail. It's not like we're making this up out of nowhere. And we actually asked ourselves a rhetorical question that I don't know if I feel like putting the time in to do the research. But Michigan's leading receiver on the day on Saturday against Colorado State had two catches. Cornelius Johnson had two catches. Colston Loveland had two catches, and I think there was – one other person who had two grabs. I can't remember. if I think there was three guys with two catches, but regardless, the leading receiver on Michigan's team had two grabs. That's it. There was this stat put out like nine different receivers or 15 different guys or whatever the hell the number 15, was caught 15. a pass. I think it was 15. What's happening? You lost me.
1: I think it was 15. 15 okay. Touches.
0: 15 different guys caught a pass. Catches, cool. Yeah. Not cool. It's not cool. Chris, when we were talking about this, you asked me, when do you think the – you just grabbed a random team, Ohio State. They've been an explosive offense for a long time. You could probably do it with Clemson. You could probably do it with Alabama. You could probably do it with Georgia. A lot of teams. When was the last time Ohio State's leading receiver in a game had just two catches? I might end up going back and looking through all of it. I don't know. We'll see. My question is, I say all that to ask you this. Is it a big deal or are we just do we just suck? Well, it,
1: A little bit of column A and a little bit of column B. I think naturally, I think naturally, we we suck in the sense that you and I just have a preferred style of play when it comes to the offense. We have a preferred way that we want to see an offense run, and I don't think that, at least as of now, uh, uh, Michigan, um, you know, Michigan wants to do that. And we'll see if it looks different under JJ. But but what I will say is, uh, wait, what was the question?
0: Was is it a big deal, or do we? Just why we're making it a big deal. No, well,
1: it's not a big deal. The first four weeks, it's a big deal late November and it's a big deal in the big 10 championship game. And it's a big deal in the college football playoff, assuming they get to the college football playoff, but we were beating that drum all year last year. And then Michigan just kept winning. Michigan beat Ohio state, Michigan won the big 10 championship. And then Michigan went to the college football playoff and got railroaded. So Look, I, even though Michigan had a successful season last year, one of the most successful seasons in program history from a personal standpoint, I had the most fun during a football season I've had in my entire life, being able to cover it and experience it and do all of that. That being said, it doesn't mean that there isn't room for improvement and that there's not things you can change to really get to a point where you're legitimately competing for national championships. And so Yeah, it all works. It's all fine if your leading receiver has two receptions in in week one, but you can't continue that trend week after week and then hope to just flip it on when you get down to Columbus or you're down against Michigan State or it's Penn State or or whoever. Like This idea that it's just going to be there when you need it, I've never subscribed to that. I would love to see a Michigan offense – Just toss it around a little bit. Show you can do it. And if nothing else, you know, screw the fan base. Prove it to yourselves. Prove it to yourselves that you can do it on Saturday, not just you know, in Glick Fieldhouse or when you're practicing. Prove that you can do it on Saturdays.
0: And like I said, the recruiting angle. I mean, you miss out on guys like C.J. Collins, Dante Moore, and. All the every top wide receiver target on dude, what five star
1: receiver wants to come and get two receptions at the University of Michigan? I mean, Andrew
0: Anthony in year two, when he's supposed to take this big leap from freshman to sophomore year, he had one catch for five yards. I mean, dude, like nobody wants that, nobody playing receiver wants that. I don't know, like I said, Colston Loveland, who was you know played mop up duty for the last six minutes of the game, ends up leading the team in catches because you know, Alan Bowman threw him a couple a couple bones over the, you know, over the course of the final minutes. I mean, it just, you know, it's tough, man. It's a tough sell. All right. My, no, your turn. Sorry. Your turn.
1: All right. Let's go to it. This is the question I skipped because we got into the McNamara postgame comments stuff, but I do want to ask, we talked about a little bit in, earlier in the show, Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards. We both expected big explosive things out of them. Week one, it didn't really pan out that way. My question to you is, are you concerned by the lack of explosive plays out of those two guys out of week one? Or is it just one of those things that happens?
0: That's my exact fourth question as well. Were you surprised by the performance of the running game? That's a, exactly how I worded it. Let's so hear it. We'll, we'll combine these together, obviously. Then I, I wouldn't say I'm concerned. I am a little bit surprised that they didn't run it better. You know, I mean can you chalk some of that up to not having Ryan Hayes and then you've got to move some guys around and then Barnhart goes down. So now you've got Keegan out at left tackle and G.O.L. Hottie playing a bunch of snaps when he probably didn't think he was even going to see the field. Eh, I don't know. I mean, Olu's in there. He's supposed to be this big upgrade and this dominant center. And he was really good. Trentay's supposed to be athletic, getting out and pulling and doing this. And he did some of that too. So yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised that you know, neither one of them hit 100 yards. Neither one of them had a y- had a run more than 20 yards. I Concerned is way too strong of a word because I still think they're going to be really, really good this year, and Michigan's still going to run the ball a lot. But I was surprised. Yeah, Blake Corum, I think, finished with 73 yards, and Donovan Edwards, was, Donovan Edwards with 64, somewhere in that ballpark, on 13 and 12 carries, respectively. Both did score. JJ scored a rushing touchdown. Alex Orgy got in the end zone late. So like they they did all right on the ground. It wasn't as dominant as I thought, though. So a little, little surprising. We'll see what it looks like on Saturday.
1: All right. I guess we'll go to my final question, right, because we just combined our twos. You want me to just throw it out?
0: I've got one more left, too. I got, You got one more? First. Yeah. Okay, so either right. you can go and finish or I'll finish. It doesn't matter. All
1: right. Let me throw it out to you. And I'm just going to ask you to kind of look into the future here. We've talked, obviously, a lot about what we think J.J. McCarthy might do on Saturday. Here's my question. Will Jim Harbaugh during his Monday press conference or before that name a starting quarterback? Will he honor, stick to the plan and name a starting quarterback after the week two contest? Can we expect that by Monday?
0: I think so because I think, I think everybody saw the same thing on Saturday and that was JJ being electric and dynamic. And some of those words that Jim Harbaugh himself used, I mean, dude, you put the stats next to each other. Cade played 43 snaps, and JJ's impact on that game was so much stronger in yeah. 11 snaps. It's like it wasn't even a, it wasn't even comparable. I mean, the far hash throw. I mean, I tweeted it when Cade can't make that throw in his wildest dreams. He just can't do it. And then you throw in the running the running uh, the running ability of JJ, and not only the running ability of him, but what it does when he. Really carries out a real fake and a real read, and then gives it to Donovan Edwards or Blake Corum, and he goes shooting out the backside, and the DN, the edge rusher, and the outside linebacker all go with him. Like we saw a 13 or 15 yard run by CJ Stokes right off the rip because that was a real read. When Cade does that action, it's not a read; it's just the, it's just the design of the play, and it's 100% give. JJ's going to change all of that on Saturday, whether he throws it 40 times or does 25 zone reads and keeps 10 of them, it's going to be productive. Well, and and, and undeniable.
1: And we talked about Michigan in the red zone, and that being one of the low points in settling for field goals. If you've got JJ McCarthy and Donovan Edwards or Blake Coram in the backfield, plus the wide receivers out there and you're in the yeah. red zone, I feel like chances are pretty damn good. You're going to find a way to put the ball in for six. And so, and in a lot of places where they stall out under Cade, I think J.J.'s ability to get out and create turns what would be field goals into touchdowns. And that's how you get from being a really, really good football team to now you're elite. Now you're putting touchdowns on the board every single time you have
0: a chance and you can compete with the big guys. And that's what we all want to see. All right, last but not least, my first four questions were all about the offense. So I, I, I threw a defensive question in there. It's kind of specific, but not not really. I just – it's going to kind of – like wrap up the topic in general. We talked about Jesse Miner's job that he did. Harbaugh called it A++. The 7 sacks obviously. What is a fair expectation for sack numbers and I guess kind of the defense in general for Saturday. I mean, can they you know, I mean, do you expect them to get 5, you know, 5 or more against a team like Hawaii when you saw what they did or is that like I'll tell you what really tore it up on, on Saturday.
1: If you come to me on Friday and you set the over under at sacks at five and a half, I'm I'm probably going to take the over. All right. I'm probably going to take the over because I I think uh, they were just so damn fast. Like it looked fast down in the field. And I don't know, man, that vantage point, you could kind of see what the quarterback was seeing out there. And all it is, is guys in wing helmets, just (laughs) flying around in the backfield. It's chaos, man. And if they can keep that up, It's going to be difficult for any, I mean, dude, how is CJ Stroud going to deal with that? How is CJ Stroud going to deal with getting popped in the mouth right off the gate? We already know that he folds pretty easily. We found that out last year. So if this defense can, can keep this energy up and they can play that way all year, man, I, I'm excited.
0: Well, there we have, I just, I had to
1: throw that CJ Stroud pop.
0: Yeah, I'm not a fan.
1: I'm not a fan.
0: An hour and eleven minutes in, burning questions is over. People have started to watch Clemson, Georgia Tech, but man, oh man, Lee Brandon,
1: I did not get a chance to throw the pigskin. I got to tell you, man, it was so damn hot that had I start, uh, if I would have went out there and and started throwing the ball around, it it, could have got real ugly. It could have got real ugly. I may have, I would have had to take like a shower before the game.
0: Wanted to thank everybody, man, for the devoted listener (laughs) viewership. I mean, the game is starting. I hear people trying to watch it, but you're still sticking around for us till yeah. the bitter end. Yeah, Hour man. and 12 minutes in now at this point. We're going to throw on the outro music. We're going to get ready to turn <sighs> it in. Tonight. Put this bad boy up on the website. YouTube, if you want to go back and watch us again. Podcast, if you want to listen to it on your way to work tomorrow. Everybody's getting back to the office. If you want to tell your buddy, listen to what this – numbskull had to say about android phones send it to your boy let him listen
1: shout out to yeah. yobi Anoma. shout out the yeah, transfer man. got a big time sack i saw somebody bring it up in the comments shout out to him too man he was a big part of that defense he came on late was a late addition and uh made an impact
0: week one so phenomenal one of, i mean one of the more impressive sacks of the day he came off the edge beat the tackle <laughs> it was stronger. angry
1: strong yeah. arms, the running back yeah.
0: rate in the chops. And I mean, got, you know, big third down deep in the deep in their own territory, forced the punt. It was a big play, man. And he, it was, I think I saw Doug Karsh, uh, up in the booth announce that that was the first play Anoma was on the field. I think I didn't, think that was I, I'm case, trying to get some but,
1: feedback on Doug Karsh in the booth. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen some mixed reactions on Karsh in the booth. I'd like to hear the fans. I didn't get to hear his call of the game, but I'm interested to see what people think.
0: I like Doug a lot but his voice is not for me when it comes to like announcers. Like it's just it's just the sound of his voice I, is I I want like I want sultry smooth pipes. <laughs> <That's, laughs> I want sultry smooth pipes okay, like
1: Telebank House. That's what
0: I want, dude. That's what I want. Brad Nestler.
1: I want that. That's, 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 good that's the yeah, kind of I voice
0: that. that I like to hear when I'm listening to a game. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. You know it just, you know, for the for the guy doing the play by play, he's got to sound like that. The color guy, he can be kind of whatever, you know. That's you're not a fan the of color. the
1: Musburger. I love the Musburger, man. Musburger, any you know, Musburger takes me back to under the lights, first game under the lights, Robinson <laughs> to Roundtree, Roundtree. I can't believe this. Doug
0: sounds like Marge Simpson. Oh shit! <laughs> he went there. I can hear it. I can hear it. I can hear it. I can uh, hear it. Look at Doug's company. a good guy though. I just oh yeah, I like Doug a lot. I've talked to Doug a handful of times. You know, I, mean, I wouldn't say I know him well at all, but he's a super nice guy and uh, knows his stuff. Smart dude. But yeah, voice. Well, I mean, dude, your voice is the is that's the whole thing when you're doing yeah. that job. And if you're, you know, it's like what I've said. Yeah. I see some people mentioning like Lee Corso and back when Lou Holtz was doing it and Dick Vitale now at this point, like Gus Johnson, talk well and sound good. And if you're not doing it, then you're not doing the job. Like I, it's just one of those things, man. Not trying to, yeah. Gus Johnson's kind of, I mean, he's, he's a, he's a classic. Some people think he's a little over the top. I I love
1: Gus Johnson, but only when it's something good happening to you when he's making one of those calls and it's something shitty that's happening to your team. That hurts.
0: It hurts. But that's yeah. how you know he's good. Anyway, there you have it, guys. Thanks so much for listening this whole time. Absolutely, Hour and 15 man. in. We'll be Hell back yeah. on Wednesday night. Same spot.
1: Fan led not- Wednesdays. Fan led Wednesday, by Fan-led the
0: way. Fan led Wednesdays. Yes. Get your questions ready. We'll roll them out. And then Saturday again, 517 Berkeley. Shout out to Nate. Uh, Wolverine State Brewing Company. Shout out to Rich and Mediascapes. Hopefully yes, we'll sir. have some more sponsors we'll have to plug here in a couple days. That would be phenomenal. But those guys, man, really making it uh, making it the cool experience for us this fall. And hopefully you guys are enjoying it as well. Come out and see us, 517 Berkeley. We'll be out there all freaking day on Saturday. It was a quick turnaround last week with the early kickoff. But 7 o'clock under the lights, come find us, man. We'll be out there. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you on Wednesday.